0: Hello and welcome to the Shingo Principles Podcast, the podcast for those interested in building a culture of continuous improvement and sustainable organizational excellence. I'm your host, Mary Price, with the Shingo Institute, a program in the John M. Huntsman School of Business at Utah State University. The Shingo Principles Podcast is our way of inviting you to join some of the interesting conversations we have with thought leaders and practitioners around the world Experienced in transforming cultures using principles, systems, and tools. I look forward to hearing what you think, and please be sure to subscribe. In this episode of the Shingo Principles podcast, we hear from Patrick Adams, an internationally recognized leadership coach, consultant, and professional speaker. He is also the author of the best selling book, Avoiding the Continuous Appearance Trap, which received the Shingo Publication Award earlier this year. In his book, Patrick identifies 12 strategic questions everyone can ask to understand what's truly beneath their culture. These questions give everyone the ability to assess their operations and begin acting right away. In this podcast, we will discuss how human behaviors and culture are complex and very complicated. If you want to have a chance at being successful, you must have a direction, a purpose, and know why. You must break the problem down into smaller pieces and work on them one by one, overcoming obstacles and learning as you go. Keep it simple, keep it visual and continue to improve. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. To learn more about today's topic, please visit Shingo.org. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. My name is Mary Price. I'm the Events and Marketing Manager at the Shingo Institute at Utah State University. I'm excited to have Patrick Adams with us today. Patrick is the author of the best selling book, Avoiding the Continuous Appearance Trap which received the Shingo Publication Award earlier this year. Patrick is an internationally recognized leadership coach, consultant, and professional speaker. He is best known for his unique human approach to sound team building practices, creating consensus and enabling empowerment. If you haven't had a chance to read the article Patrick wrote on the topic we're discussing today, I would encourage you to visit our website, Shingo.org, click the media tab and select the blog. find the article there it's titled avoiding continuous appearance patrick thank you so much for joining us today i'll turn the time over to you
1: all right thank you mary i so much appreciate it uh and thank you for all you do at the shingle institute and for everything that the shingle institute does for all of us lean practitioners and uh coaches consultants that are out there listening in so thank you again uh I'm excited to be here, excited. Uh, thank you for uh, the introduction and uh, also obviously very excited about the Shingo Award for the book. Um, super excited to get out to Utah uh, for the Shingo, uh, Shingo Conference. So hopefully I'll see some of you there. Uh, but again, my name is Patrick Adams and I'm gonna dive right in because we only have 20, uh, 25 minutes for a presentation and then some time for questions. So let me, uh, let me move ahead. Uh, so, avoiding the continuous appearance trap, um, I've had a lot of people ask me, you know, why the why the title? What where did this come from? What is continuous appearance? Right? Why why did why did is this the title of your book? And what I what I want all of you to know is just a little bit of my background because I think that this will help you to understand a little bit more about the book and uh, about continuous appearance uh, versus continuous uh improvement. So, earlier in my career, I worked for two companies. And these two companies were very very similar at the surface level, right? So, if you were to walk into either of these companies, both of them were very similar. Uh both companies would uh would say that lean uh or six sigma were their uh, were their continuous improvement methodology that they use. Uh both had uh um, very similar visual management or like artifacts, what I call. Uh, if you were to walk in, you would see uh, 5S activities going on. You'd see co- different colors, visual management, tape on the floors. You'd see value stream maps on the walls. Um, you'd see similar KPIs like safety, cost, quality, delivery, you know, maybe cultural morale. Uh, both had very similar org structures, right? So when walking through these two companies, they would look very, very similar at the surface level. Uh, however, underneath everything at the surface level, things were very different. In fact, one of those companies had a very terrible culture. The turnover was through the roof. The uh, the KPIs were in the dumps. Right? People hated to work there. It was a, a just a terrible place for people to work at and and people could feel that right the other company had an amazing culture in fact you know they had what i would consider a true culture of continuous improvement to the core right their kpis were right where they needed to be their turn, their turnover was very low people loved working there people stayed there long term uh, because they just enjoyed the culture. They loved being a part of a company where they could use their minds and they could be involved and engaged in the activities that were happening uh, at that company. So you have to ask yourself, right? What was the difference? What was the difference between these two companies? Uh, I was fortunate enough to work under both of those companies and I learned a lot about both of those companies, the cultures and what was underneath them. And that's really what you find in the book, uh, Avoiding the Continuous Appearance Trap. So the one company, uh, I I would, as I said, uh, I would consider them having a true culture of continuous improvement. In the book, I call them company continuous improvement. Uh, The other company Uh, is had what I would consider a culture of continuous appearance, right? Where they appeared to have it all together at the surface level, uh, but underneath, not so much, right? So that would be company continuous appearance. So many of you are probably uh, thinking to yourselves, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about because I'm either currently working in a company like that, or I've worked for a company, or I've experienced that with another company, whatever it may be. There's so many companies out there that are currently living in this culture of continuous appearance. And so that's what I wrote the book about, uh, called This Culture of Continuous Appearance. Now, um, one of the things I want to mention to all of you is that there were three uh, very simple truths uh, that I would say made the distinction between the two cultures. And I want to share those three very simple truths with you. Uh, And then we'll talk about why that's important. So the first thing that I think is important for uh, everyone to understand is that uh, one company set very clear expectations while the other company did not, right? One company enabled action. And we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a minute. Uh, One company sustained the results, right? Now, again, I would say these are three very simple concepts, right? This isn't rocket science. But what I will say is in spending time in both of these organizations, uh, what I found at Company Continuous Appearance was that it was very spotty with these three areas. So sometimes I would see an area or department of the business that set very clear expectations, right, and they enabled action. They empowered people to actually do do the the, the continuous improvement work. They might have even set apart time for them to step out of their normal roles and actually apply their learnings to uh, to 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 improve the business, right? However, they didn't sustain the actions. They had no sustainment plan in place, right? So so you know, a new leader would come in, And uh, everything would change. And the the current direction would then change to a new direction, right? So there was no sustainment. And when this happened, none of the change was sustained. Nothing that had been put in place, nothing that uh, had had been laid out by the the employees or the the leaders in that organization was sustained. It would all just fall apart. And you, you hear the term flavor of the month, right? There's flavor of the month activities happening all the time at Company Continuous Appearance. Another thing that I saw that happened sometimes in certain departments or certain areas of the business, uh, we would have, ve- we would have uh, an area where they would enable action, they would give the team members time to actually make improvements, they would set apart uh, teams to be able to solve problems right? They had a great sustainment plan in place in that particular department or that area of the business, meaning they would, uh, they'd have, you know, some type of audit or they'd have a follow-up, a layered process audit of some sort. They'd have leaders out there checking to make sure that some of the action that was happening was, was actually sustained. However, in the beginning, they never set clear expectations. So, you know, again, some of that work, was, you know, kind of spotty all over the place, right? The, we in the US we call this the shotgun approach, right? Just go out there and just start fixing things, do whatever you can to make improvements, but there was no clear direction, no ex no clear expectation set up front. And what happened was we had a lack of organizational alignment when this when this was taking place in those departments or areas of the business. And the last thing that I experienced at company continuous appearance was that sometimes Leaders would set very clear expectations up front, um, and they would have that sustainment plan in place. They would have good follow up. They would have leaders out there making sure that um, that things were being sustained. However, they didn't enable action. Right? They were so busy that they said, "We don't have time for continuous improvement. We don't have time to set set apart, you know, five minutes a day for a, a tier meeting. We don't have time to allow you to be able to do some of these activities." Right. So instead, what they had was mediocre results. Instead of having exponential results, they had mediocre results. Now, the difference was that company continuous improvement, right? The the company that had a true culture of continuous improvement. The difference there was leaders across the entire business. And this was a global organization. And I could go into a, a, a site in Michigan and I could see one thing happening. And I could go to a site in Poland and I could see another thing happening. And both in both of on both of those sites, they were very much aligned, right? Both or both of those sites had set clear expectations, which were all aligned to the corporate goals, right? So they set clear expectations. They enabled actions at both of these organizations because they knew the power. Of, of, of enabling team members to actually work on continuous improvement. They gave them time to be able to actually solve problems, right? Um, so they enabled action and they had great sustainment in place. So they, they had layered process audits in place. Uh, they, they had uh, team members across the entire business from executive leaders to mid managers, to frontline leaders, to maintenance personnel that were involved in layered process audits. So they had great sustainment in place. And the result of that was a true culture of continuous improvement. So I I, want to share that with you again. It's three very simple truths. um, But I want to go back to the book real quick. Because in the book, um, instead of chapter titles, I actually use questions. um, Which is interesting, right? Questions. Why questions? Um, I use 12 strategic questions questions that anyone can understand, very simple questions, uh, but anyone can understand what's truly underneath their culture. Are you living in a culture of continuous appearance or are you living in a culture of continuous improvement, right? The 12 questions give anyone the ability to assess their operations and begin taking action right away. But again, why questions, right? Why would I ask questions? Uh, Why questions at all? Why not just if I worked in this, this organization where they had a true culture of continuous improvement, why wouldn't I just give you the roadmap? Why wouldn't I just say, you know take these five steps to develop a culture of continuous improvement or follow this 12-step roadmap to develop your lean transformation. You know why wouldn't I do that? Well, there's a reason, right? So I want to give a quote by John Shook. Uh, if you're if you're not familiar with John Shook, uh, John was the uh, he he was the first American that worked at Toyota in Japan. Uh, he was also part of the the uh, Numi project, uh, which was you know a, a partnership uh, with with Toyota. So uh, John has a ton of experience. Uh, if, you're, if you're unfamiliar with him, and, and if you're not familiar with Numi, I would definitely recommend going out and checking out uh, Numi. But John said, "Lean management is very much about asking the right questions and trying things or encouraging others to try things. Lean management itself is not about providing the right answers, but it's very much about asking the right questions, right? You have to ask yourself, your organization, the right questions. And by asking yourself the right questions, Right. It becomes uh, a, this process of learning. Right. Versus a process of correcting. Um, so the point is, it, I, I want individuals who are uh, reading the book, I want them to begin their own scientific uh, thinking for their organization. Right. I want them to start on this path of learning. So I want them to answer the questions for themselves. Rather than copying a roadmap or another organization, um, even copying Toyota, right? Um, The the solutions that Toyota created were in response to very specific problems that Toyota was having at a time uh, in, in an industry with a team and a culture that's probably different than yours. So your solutions or your answers to the questions are probably going to be different than someone else's. So that's why I use questions. So what I'd like to do today is I want to ask all of you a question, um, and I want to use the answer to that question to kind of talk about a few other things uh, before, we, before we end today. So the first question that I have for you um, is, what is culture? I want you to really think about the culture that you have, because everyone, everyone on this webinar, everyone listening to this podcast has a culture. You already have a culture whether you've worked on it or not, a culture is the result of very specific inputs, okay? So culture is an output. Culture happens. It happens based on your leaders, your mid-management, your team leaders, your uh, individuals, your frontline workers. It happens because of their behaviors, their actions, their beliefs, Right. The things that they do, where they spend their time, all of those are very specific inputs to what then becomes an output, your culture. Right. So, so that's how I really think about culture. Right. So for organizations or for leaders that, uh, that I've, I've worked with many leaders who ask the question, you know, why, why will we, why is our culture not changing? I want a learning culture. I want a culture of continuous improvement. Let's make it happen, right? This is the vision that I have. This is the end result that I'm looking for. Why is it not happening, right? And the problem is that they're not changing the inputs. All they're doing is trying to change the output without make, doing any work to the inputs up front, right? So what, ha- what, what is the definition of insanity, right? What's the definition of insanity? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results, right? So many leaders are out there saying, I want a different culture. I want uh, I want a learning culture. I want a different result. I want a different outcome, but they're not changing the inputs, right? That's complete insanity. Leaders have to, 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 to rewind. They have to look back and they have to go, okay, let's look at the inputs, Let's look at our behaviors. Let's look at our actions. Let's look at the the beliefs, the the areas where our leaders are spending their time, right? That's what we have to look at. Those are the inputs that we can change, right, if we want to change the culture. Now, I want to ask you another question based on what I just said. Can you really change culture, right? If culture is an output, can you really change it? Do you believe that it's possible to actually change your culture, to actually change the outputs. If you did change the inputs, would the output be different? That's my question for you next. So you guys uh, had a poll. I don't, uh, I'm not sure what the results of that poll were yet at this point, but I wanna uh, share with you, uh, or you have a poll, now you, do, you have a poll. Um, so I wanna share with you, a, uh, a study that was done by McKinsey. And if we as leaders want to change the, the trajectory of, uh, a, of an organization, if we want to change the culture, right, that means people will have to change. And this is very difficult. Humans are difficult sometimes to work with. Change is difficult for people, right? So, uh, McKinsey did a really great study, uh, and they they worked with uh, a, a, a large number of individuals, and they asked them all the same question. They asked them, "What would it take for you to change? If 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 we came into your organization, how what would it take for you to change?" And these were the this was the results of the uh, what the McKinsey found. So they said, um, people said, "I will change if number one." I understand what's being asked of me, and it makes sense, right? I understand what's being asked of me, and it makes sense. So people seek congruence between their beliefs and their actions, right? Believing in the why inspires them in in support of change, right? They have to understand why, and it has to make sense to them, number one. Number two, McKinsey found that people will change if I see my leader's Colleagues and staff behaving differently. This is a big one, right? Role modeling. People mimic individuals and leaders that surround them, right? Um, so you know, leaders they have to walk the walk. They can't just ask people to do a certain thing. You know, they have to actually walk the walk. They can't just talk the talk. They they have to uh, do what they say, right? So that's an important one. Number three. They said, I will change if I have the skills and opportunities to behave in a new way, right? The old saying, you can't teach a dog new tricks, throw that out the window. You can teach a dog new tricks, give them the skills, give them the abilities, teach them, help develop them, coach them, because that's what they need in order to accept the change that you're offering to them. Number four, they said, I will change if. I see our structures, processes, and systems support the changes I am being asked to make, right? We can shape behavior, uh, uh, but all all too often organizations, because of the structure or the systems, they reinforce the wrong things. People come to work. They want to do a good job. They don't come to work to sabotage the business intentionally. They come to work, and they're working in broken systems, We need to fix the systems and give people an opportunity for success. All right. So I want to ask you a question before we close up today. Last question that I have for you. What are your next steps? Right? This has been 20 minutes of your time, and I don't want it to be wasted. I want you to really ask yourself. In fact, I would recommend writing it down. What's one thing that you will do differently after this 30 minutes that you've spent in this webinar? What's one thing, just write it down, put it on your computer screen, put it on a post-it note, put it on your desk. What's one thing that you'll do differently today that will will change the trajectory of where you're heading? Remember, culture is an output. It's a result of certain behaviors, certain beliefs, certain actions, right? So ask yourself, where are you spending your time as a leader in your organization? Maybe the one thing that you write down on your post-it note, is that you're going to spend more time at the Gemba, the place where the value-add work is being done. Maybe today, you're going to block time every morning to go out and attend a huddle, a, a, you know, a tier meeting in your business. Maybe you're going to attend one every single day. Maybe you're going to go do a layer process audit once a week. Maybe that's the, the one thing that you're going to do differently, the one input that you're going to change that's going to affect the culture, the result, right? Don't live in this constant state of insanity, be ready to change yourself. Right, take those steps yourself so that you can see the change in your organization. So, with that, Mary, I want to open it up for questions.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much, Patrick. Uh, before we go to our Q and A, I just wanted to mention. Uh, you mentioned it already at the beginning, but you will be teaching a workshop at the 35th Annual Shingo Conference. It's going to, going to be on May 24th. It's in Provo, Utah. You can learn more about the workshop at Shingo.org slash events. The workshop's included in your registration fee for the conference. Great. We have a question from Ken. He asks, what is the easiest way to get my leaders to read your book?
1: Oh, good. Good question. Um, I would say first and foremost, uh, again, you have to, to walk the walk, right? So I would say uh, get the book yourself first, read the book yourself. There's an assessment. There's a free assessment that you can actually download as well. So do the assessment yourself, score your, yourself, your organization, uh, read the book, uh, get, grab a couple of those uh, nuggets, those good nuggets yourself, and then share them with your team. Uh, talk about the learnings that you had from the book and how you're going to apply them yourself. Um, And then go out there and start talking about it. Be an ambassador for change, right? The other thing that I would suggest is start a book study. There's many organizations that uh, will do book studies uh, using the book. We're actually working on a workbook to go along with the book itself. That'll come out later this year. Uh, But start a book study and reach out to me. I'd love to come in and talk to your group uh, after you've done the book study or right in the middle. Answer some questions, maybe talk about specific examples from the book on how those apply to your business. That's another great way to get leaders to read your book or to read my book. Uh, Oh, I did see a couple of questions pop in here real quick. Where is the assessment? So the assessment is uh, every chapter in the book uh, adds very specific questions to the assessment. And then at the end of the book is the full assessment. You can also go to our website at findleansolutions.com and you can download the assessment there. Uh, so either way, rather, whether you get the book or you download it on our website, uh, it's it's uh, free on our website, so just go there and grab it. The other question is, is there any or is there value added value in putting your expectations, sustainability plan, and action in writing? There's always value in putting uh, putting thoughts in writing. Putting, there's power in pen to paper, right? So uh, definitely power in that. I would say, um, not only you, but also your your team or those around you suggesting it to them. You know, let's write down our expectations. Let's write down our sustainability plan. Um, let's write down, let's let's actually create a, a timeline of when I'm going to do these things, right? A, a very specific plan and then due dates, right, on when I'm going to do that. And then hold yourself accountable. Have your own PDCA uh, cycle on uh, creating a plan, doing it checking to make sure that you're actually moving forward with it and then uh, reflecting and taking some kind of action on that.
0: Well, I think that's all of the questions that we have right now. Perfect. We will go ahead and say goodbye. Thank you so much for presenting today, Patrick. And thanks to all of our attendees. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you're looking for additional educational opportunities or would like to learn more about the Shingo model, please visit our website at Shingo.org. Please remember to subscribe and to tune in to next time.